My name is Dwayne Default, and welcome to Selling SaaS, a podcast that's built to get you the best advice from the top experts for go-to-market strategies, sales, and product-led growth. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Selling SaaS Podcast, where we break down sales, go-to-market, and growth for your SaaS business. And I'm your host, Dwayne Default. And if this is your first time joining us, we've got a couple of formats here that we run on the show. One of them is the traditional interview style, where I get to learn from an expert or professional from one of the categories uh, that you heard a second ago. Uh, You get to sit and enjoy the ride as well and learn along with me had some really great conversations and really learned a lot and a variety of topics that we've got to cover from sales, go to market, even customer success that we've had some on as well. We've had some recent ones with RevOps, really diving into some data frameworks. It sounds kind of boring sometimes, but I'm telling you right now, RevOps is the underpinning of what drives growth for a SaaS business. And frankly, I don't run ads on the show. I don't want to run ads on the show. I want to make sure that all the information that comes from this show is serving you, the listener. And so the only way that we grow the show is by word of mouth. And so I appreciate it. If you find value in today's show or like it, you know, share it with a friend, post about it, tag selling SaaS on social media or anything like that. So yeah, without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So this one's a this one's an interesting one. I pull it directly from you know the last four or five years I've been spending in coaching and consulting tech founder SaaS companies and kind of helping them get from startup into a scale up. And a lot of this comes from also the last fifteen years that I've had in sales. So when I first started running tech companies, when I was VP CRO level managing you know go to market campaigns, building teams, putting process together. I never really stopped to think about what would happen if process wasn't in place and we were trying to push things forward. Now, my gut thinking always comes back to first principles. I went to school for engineering, construction management. So I've always been process oriented, sometimes at my to my own fault, because I'm going to try to figure out what are the steps that we need to take in order to do something either to get it started or to scale it down the road. And that's the hopes with any initiative or any type of campaign that you're running or, or any sales strategy or any company rather is to scale it. So taking that and implementing it into what I do with SaaS founders. So when I meet with SaaS founders, I narrow it down to two questions, two questions. And these two questions tend to let me know, and most of all, let the founder know what the current health of their business is and what is the work that it's going to take in order to get their company to scale, get it out of the rut that it may be in right now, and really start scaling customer acquisition, hiring teams, putting process tools, you know, narrowing down, increasing ACVs, all that stuff. It's, it always comes down to these two particular questions. And so these two questions that I ask founders is, what would happen if you added two sales reps tomorrow? That's it. So that's the first question. And the second question is, what would happen if all of a sudden you 10X'd your new customer acquisition? Now, there's a variant of that second question. If it's an early stage company and they've only acquired a few customers in the first few months, or we change that to leads. So top of funnel, what if we 10X'd your leads tomorrow? What would happen in the business? So let's unpack the first question. That's one I feel like most companies can relate to, at least ones that I talk to. And the reason why they come to talk to me, which is where I help them 
implement a sales playbook, go to market playbook, help them, you know, with scaling their backend processes to find whatever, right? That's not what we're talking about today. But the question was, what would happen if you added two sales reps to your teams tomorrow? So the goal with this question is to better understand what would break in their organization. And the unfortunate part is most SaaS founders really don't understand what would break. What are all the different things that are connected inside of the business that relate to acquiring revenue? And that's no fault of their own. 90% of tech founders come from product background. So they're what you call technical founders. And then on the other side of things, it's kind of the opposite side is if you are a go-to-market style founder, you come from sales, you tend to overlook the underpinnings of the business. You're not as, the product's not as dialed in. But anyways, so the question of what, what would happen in the business if you hired two sales reps tomorrow? The, the obvious answers to me, I'm very familiar with, there's lots of things that break, there's time spent, tooling, you know, we don't have enough leads to handle that. A lot of the surface level stuff comes up right out of the gate. But the outcome I'm really trying to achieve by that question is to help the founder have a clear picture of what it's actually going to take to get their business to scale. And nine times out of 10, it helps them set better, more effective priorities in their business because most technical founders, they will just turn to roadmap. They will turn to product. They will turn to what they know and what is most familiar to them and where they feel most comfortable and what got the business off the ground in the first place, which was the product. But now you have to sell and scale that product. And you have to put that level of prioritization. You have to put that level of process and platform in your go-to-market as well as you do your product. So there are many things that can go wrong if you do not have your process or your foundation put in place if you hire even just one more sales rep. Most startups will have one salesperson, one customer success and if they're lucky, a support person, they'll have a couple product people and they'll outsource some engineers and it'll be one founder. The whole company is under 10 employees. There's hundreds and hundreds of those started every single quarter. And most of the time, those companies just end up being a lifestyle business where they don't really scale and they think it scale is not for them. And so they just, they're happy with what they've got because they don't, most of the time, if they could, if they knew how to do it, if they knew how to break through that stage that they're in, they would, but since they don't come from a sales mindset, they don't know which questions to ask, right? Tony Robbins talks about, you want a better answer, ask a better question. So anyways, with hiring the additional sales reps, not only are you going to need leads to feed the sales reps, are you going to need a market to have them call into and work on, but what about everything on the back end, especially things like the CRM or the sales process itself? But then most of all, how does it impact the team? So with the CRM, is everything set up so a rep can come in and be able to actually function instead of having to essentially create everything on their own every single day, you know, run their own reports, find their own, their own leads, manually log everything. Like it's, if you bring a, a sales rep in, especially if you're a startup, most of the time you only have the budget for green, brand new, young sales reps that don't have 10 years of experience working in a, a well-developed CRM, you're going to go hire what you can afford uh, and hopefully get some success from it. So you're going to hire this new person to come into your sales organization with an underdeveloped CRM, and it's going to be very clunky. It's going to take a lot of time 
and you're not going to be able to track anything. They're not able to log their calls. They don't even know where to get their leads. They don't know which reports to go off of. It causes leads and follow-ups and tasks to basically go completely non-existent, unfollowed up on, and they slip through the cracks, and you're missing out on opportunities left and right, and you kind of have no idea this is happening because you don't have your systems set up. And so you just think the sales rep's shit in the bed. You think the sales rep's not doing their job. You have no way to check and confirm because you don't have call recording set up. They don't know where to find their leads in the CRM to even dial the phone, or they could just be dialing the phone to the same people over and over again. And you get hit, you get put on the DNC list. Your domain gets flagged because they just keep sending emails without any governance on that. It, it's it's a cluster. And the only reason why you've had some success so far and success being very loosely defined in this situation is that the rep that you've had for the last two to three years that's been doing it has just slowly been able to figure their shit out. And they've been able to slowly figure out how to bring in enough new customers each month to keep the business afloat and to be able to hire a contractor or two every six months. And so that means the company is growing. And so anyways, so the CRM is one thing, the backend systems and the tools and the technology that the person has to figure out. But then the sales process, nobody thinks about at least a lot of the founders that I've talked to in my experience, especially in the startup land, even VC backed companies. Let's not, let's not only focus on bootstrap. I prefer bootstrap companies. We'll get into that later, but the sales process, how many calls should each lead get? How long do you follow up with a lead? Are there different types of leads in the system? How do you categorize these leads? How do you talk to each one of them? What is the discovery questions you should ask this type of lead? Okay, great. Now we've got qualification figured out. What about the demo? How do you run a good demo? How do you measure the effectiveness of a demo in your organization? Is there a database or a resource library for this new person or people to go and study? for what closes a customer? Do you have the assets, the resources available for them to access during the demo? You have a software that they can demo. Is there a demo environment that they can use in their demonstrations for the customers? I had to change the word from demo to demonstration because I was saying demo a lot. <laughs> but the sales process is important too. What's your sales playbook? That should encompass everything that goes in the CRM and everything that happens on the front end when they dial the phone. Gosh, I can go on and on around what needs to be in place to hire a new young in their career sales rep who's never done it before, which ends up being the case a lot of times for startups because they can afford them. But what I mentioned a second ago before getting into CRM and process and whatnot was the impact on the team. This is the part that almost every founder or everyone that I asked that question to, whether they're a founder or not, never think or never slow down to realize. If you hire anybody, could be marketing, support, success, sales, what's the impact on the current team? If you have, if you're lucky enough in a startup to have multiple salespeople, can you afford for one of those sales reps to be not selling at least three or four hours a day for three or four weeks? Because that's what it's going to come down to. Now, it's not structured meeting time that they're going to be off the calls and not doing demos. It's all about the break and flow and focus that happens from random Slack messages, the emails, the hiccups that happens, the, you know, they need to jump on a demo because the sales rep can't do it for whatever reason. It pulls from the team. So not only do you have an upfront expense that comes from hiring this person, that should take three or four months for them to start paying for themselves, not completely, say six or seven months should be that mark. But not only do you have the upfront expense and burden of their payroll, but then you have a decrease in production 
at least that should be your expectations. You can't expect, you know, let's say you have one sales rep. You can't expect your one sales rep to not only onboard a sales rep while making quota and selling, keep business alive, but it's going to pull time away from them. But how much time is a question? Do you have a systematized way of onboarding a new employee? Is there a resource library, like I mentioned a second ago? How how do they get their email set up? How do they get set up in Slack? What about their signature, their user logins and permissions in the CRM? Like, how do you insert them into lead routing? Like, how do you introduce them to the company? Like, all of these things have to be done by somebody. But here's the kicker. Most of the time, it falls on the shoulders of the CEO. The scenario that I'm talking about is going to be a founder-led sales organization. Now, that could be VC-backed or it could be bootstrapped. Does not matter. Does not matter the source of the funding. It matters the stage of the business. Even if you have one or two sales reps, I'm telling you right now, they should be 100% focused on acquiring customers. And so that falls on the shoulders of the CEO. If you're lucky enough to be at a startup and even in a scale-up and you've got sales leadership in place, you have to understand and communicate and set the expectations that when you hire new sales reps, it's going to take a ton of time away from whoever is in charge of doing that. And I'm telling you right now, if you have had bad luck with hiring sales reps in the last couple of years, nine times out of 10, it's because of what we're talking about right now. Those first two months of exposure and experience and onboarding could set their tone, can set their expectations for the business for the next couple of years. And so if you as the founder, are the one responsible for onboarding, training, hiring, getting this person exposed, and you don't have those resources, if you don't have that process in place, like if you don't have the CRM dialed in to show them what their day-to-day is going to look like, if you don't have the sales process dialed in to where it's like, hey, in this situation, you're going to call them 17 times over over two months. You're going to send these emails. Here's the templates. Here's the talk tracks. Here's the voicemail. Here's the tool. If you don't have that, you're going to be stumbling over yourself every other day to try to figure out what to show them how to demonstrate the skill and effectiveness of that stuff you're showing them and then how to measure it along. It's, it's one of those questions, like I said, that ends up unpacking an anxiety-ridden weekend for founders because there are things that you don't think about until you have to think about it. And by the time you get to that point, it's too late. Most of the time you're thinking about that at, on the Thursday of the week you hired this person. And then all of a sudden you're like, I don't have any of these things set up. I hired I hired this person thinking they're just going to come in and crush it, but then, oh no, I've got to think of all this stuff. Even if you hire that 10-year account executive from that big name logo as your founding account executive, and you don't have these things figured out, that account executive that spent 10 years selling at this one big name company had a proven systematized process placed in front of them. So the only thing they had to do were these one or two things every single day. They're not the ones that are come in and going to help you build the process. They're not the test dummies that you need in order to build those things. I'm not calling people who test stuff dummies, but just for all intents and purposes and examples. That account executive that's been at the big name logo for 10 years, crushing quota and doing all that stuff, is not going to be the person that's going to come in and do that. Now, I was once that person, and so I can attest that there are the few. There are the ones that do want to come in and and change and cha- and like change the status quo and challenge themselves and do all that stuff. But the ones that say they want to do that, and then the ones that actually do it, are like one percent. I've hired hundreds, hundreds of sales reps over the last decade, and I'm telling you right now, that's just it's very rare to find. So 
again, the first question, I can continue going on and on on this particular topic just because it's a, it's a passion and a pet peeve of mine. I run into a lot of founders that don't think these things are important, but then end up going through rounds of layoffs every six months. And they can't figure out why. Oh, we can't find the best sales reps to go and sell our product. Oh, our sales reps, they, they need better management or that you, the manager needs to be harder on them in their training and coaching calls. It's like, no, you just have a shit process. You don't have anything dialed in. No one knows where anything is. The CRM is clunky. You've got leads list everywhere. People are working over the top of each other. You have a mismanaged sales ops process that's managed by someone overseas who doesn't understand the customer or the team. And you're blaming the sales reps? Like, come on, like take some accountability and some onus on developing a system for your business that can actually scale. And just because you've got some VC funding to where you can hire a whole bunch of people and hopefully they figure it out doesn't mean you're scaling. So anyways, if that question gives you anxiety, go to my website, sellingsass.io or duanedefault.com. They'll both take you to the same place. And there's some assets. There's free assets on there that'll help you figure this out. And so on to the second question. <laughs> now, so the first question was, what would happen if you had to, if you hired two sales reps tomorrow? So we went through the last 15 minutes of all of that rant session on my end. Now, the second question was, what would happen if you 10x your customer acquisition tomorrow? That means not worrying or thinking about all the marketing and the sales reps and all that stuff that has to happen. I'm saying if tomorrow, all of a sudden a flip, a, a switch was flipped and 10 times more customers started coming into your business, what would break, right? Because we just talked about everything before that. We talked about sales process and, you know, CRMs and pipelines and, and, and talk tracks and demos and access, blah, blah, blah. Cool. Let's say you've got that figured out. You've got the middle of your funnel dialed in. You know the sales team, when they're going to call each lead, where it's logged, the tasks that go into it, the sequences they're going to use, everything is dialed in. But you've got one person running success. They're the ones that are responding to inbound chats, to the inbound calls, to the support tickets that come in that never seem to get closed, that they're handling everything. They're doing 10 hours a day on customer onboardings. They're handling bug tickets for your customers. They're interacting directly with your product team. That's probably outsourced overseas that are a 12 hour time zone difference that takes a week just to get an answer on one thing. You've got one person doing that. If you're lucky, you've got two. Now, again, I'm talking to a SaaS founder who's early stage. I'm not talking to the company who's been around for 10 or 15 years that has a, a 30 person customer success team with three managers and a CXO, chief customer experience officer, whatever, CCO. I'm talking to 95% of the tech companies that are out there that are in this stage of startup land. They've got under 20 people at their company. Then half of that is all dedicated to product and engineering. And the other half is dedicated to marketing. And you got a small part, one person, maybe two if you're lucky. And that second person also moonlight, moonlights as an SDR and a copywriter for your company. <laughs> like I laugh because I've seen it hundreds of times. But you've got that one person Let's say you've got six sales reps, you've got four SDRs, two account executives, and you've got an outbound and an inbound customer acquisition process. You got your ads dialed in, you're marketing, you're retargeting, you're doing email campaigns. You've got outbound BDRs calling on a qualified list. AEs are rocking and rolling. They're closing customers every week. But then your customer onboarding, your implementation process is abysmal. Your customers don't know where to go. They don't know what to do inside of the product because 
Maybe the demo was just a, you know, the demo was something that I would do, would probably focusing on the most important thing to get them excited to buy. And then the customer success helps them establish the rest of the business in their app. But if you don't have that second part, if you don't have the back end systems, the back end being customer success, support, service, all of that, then I guarantee your churn is through the roof. So again, the question was, what would happen if your new customer acquisition increased by 10 times tomorrow? What would break? Aside from similarities from sales, all the same things need to exist. All of it. You need to have the success tool dialed in and you can use some CRMs out there. I know HubSpot has a great service module that's in there. And you've got these other ones that I feel like they keep getting acquired all over the time, all, all the time. But you got to have your customer management tool dialed in. You've got to have your messaging, your account review cadence. You have to have what are the first two weeks of your new customer onboarding look like and how does your CSM get plugged into it? So think of everything that I just talked about from adding two sales reps to the same thing about increasing customers. It's the same stuff, but more. And the reason why it's but more is because the easiest revenue to acquire is the revenue you already have. Why we have companies that put 10 times the emphasis on customer acquisition and not 20 times the emphasis on customer retention beats me. All too often, we see all of the money that a company earns or acquires put into go-to-market. You've got six figures being dumped into Google campaigns, Facebook marketing, email, buying lists, hiring SDRs, you know, putting VPs in place, but then you've got two people running all of customer success and support. Both of those people are working 10, 12 hours a day, and they're trying to, <laughs> they're trying to shape stone or granite out of a fork. <laughs> I joke because it's just the truth and it's sad. And we wonder why we have so many companies that are closing up shop, that are running out of money, that are having to do these layoffs. It's because they're not patching the biggest hole in their business, which is churn, cancellations, making customers happy over time. It's not just because you got the annual contract, you don't need to service them, which is always my fear when I, when I buy a product and I sign an annual contract, I'm like, okay, what am I actually going to get from this aside from what I'm able to learn from the product? Am I going to get to talk to somebody? Do I have to talk to an AI robot, which I'm not excited about when I spend money with a company, but then am I only going to hear from them when it comes time for my renewal, right? One of the things I always do, and this is just because I'm from tech and I know how everything works is I'll go through the new customer contract. If they only have an annual option, I'll always ask for quarterly, but if they only have an annual option, I'm always looking for the auto renewal date. Nine times out of 10, it's either 30 or 60 days. I have to let them know 30 or 60 days before the renewal in order for it to not automatically renewal and I can remove my billing. I mark that on my calendar. Legitimately, I purchased a product two weeks ago. It was $2,000 for the year, so it's not overly expensive. But it said I had to let them know within 60 days of my renewal in order to cancel the auto renewal. It's, it's in there. It's not clearly stated, but I put that on my calendar. So that way I remember. Now, the big difference with that is, what am I going to get in between the time? How am I going to be set up for success to use that product, right? And that's one of the biggest things that we miss in, in tech and SaaS is that we, 
We think that all of a sudden, after someone goes through the sales process and goes through a demo and discovery and they create a great relationship with the sales rep, hopefully, that they know everything they need to know in order to be successful in the app, that they know where to click to find the help section. They know which videos to watch in order to learn the tool and hoping that they can connect the dots from their world to the reality of the tool to be able to use it successfully. But that's the job of the CFSM. It's the job to make help make the customer happy and successful. And so if we 10X new customers in your business tomorrow, what's gonna break? Everything's gonna fucking break. Excuse my language, but it's everything's gonna break. You can make do with hiring one or two sales reps and not having all those things in place, but all of a sudden, <laughs> what was not a major deal before when that bug went out, all of a sudden it is amplified dramatically because it's not just revenue that's impacted. It's not, or it's not just the front end CSM tickets, it's bugs, it's feedback on the product, it's lack of referrals and it's bad reviews, NPS score drops. And then all of a sudden, guess what happens? Customer acquisition goes down, cost of acquisition goes up, conversions go down and you can't figure out why. It's a, it's a giant feedback loop. And so again, if we 10 x new customers in your business tomorrow, I'm not making some crazy guarantee. I'm saying, hypothetically speaking, worst and best case scenario. What is the worst case scenario for the best case scenario? And how do we work to prevent that and put a process in place that helps make best case happen? Is my goal for any company that listens to this podcast, watches my content, consumes any information that they buy from me or that they get from working directly with me is that the front end is set up so the back end takes care of itself. And that means front end for me is the human and process element and the back end is customer happiness. I'm not talking front end as sales and go to market and back end being customer success and support. No, no, no. Front end is your entire team. Back end is customer happiness. So again, if we were to 10 X your new customer acquisition tomorrow, what's going to break? Do you have the feedback loop in place to accurately communicate the issues that come up in the, the details from the bug that was reported by your CSM two weeks ago? Does it make it onto the sprint board for your engineering team in order to prioritize that, right? What about onboarding new customers? What does that schedule look like? Is there a process that goes out to the customer? Is there a clear line of communication? Does the customer, new customer, automatically get communication, routing, and engagement from their CSM when that deal is marked closed one? Is the system set up to automatically notify the CSM that they just got a new customer with a task that shows up on their calendar with an email that goes out to the customer saying, hey, thanks, I'm your CSM. Click this link, right? There's, there's things that need to be in place to scale. Scaling your business isn't just about more revenue. It isn't just about going and getting more funding. I heard once at SASTRA, which is an annual SAS conference that happens in the Bay Area nine times out of 10, where one of the primary responsibilities or the two things that founders need to focus on is recruiting and raising funds. <laughs> now, I understand why that would be the advice that some top VC companies give or coaches and investors, because look, if you are a, an established startup, you're in scale-up mode or you're in growth mode, that is kind of the focus. Now, it doesn't say that you need to go get VC money or money from the bank. Raising money from your customers can easily be the answer to that. But look, you have to understand the impact of lack of process in your business for both customer acquisition and customer retention. 
So again, what would happen if we added two sales reps? Actually, let's make it easier. What would happen if we added one more sales rep to your team tomorrow? What would that do? What would break? How much time would that take from you as a CEO or from your sales rep, right? How could they plug in and ramp up as fast as possible to begin paying for themselves as soon as possible? And then let's say they have success and they start closing more customers. And so what would happen if you 10X your new customer acquisition tomorrow? What would break? What would fall through the cracks? How much churn would you get? And if that's hard to imagine, 10 times more customers coming in, think about it on the very beginning of the funnel, like I mentioned earlier, 10Xing lead count. So let's say all of a sudden you got, let's say you're getting a hundred and let's use a trial example because I talked about it in one of the previous episodes, a uh, number of trials. Let's just say you get 200 trials of your software today. That means someone comes in, they go to your website or landing page, they sign up for a form, they get their login information, they get into the app and they get introduced to whatever. Let's say that 10X overnight and you got 1,050. 1,000, that's not 10X, that 1,500. Let's say you got 1,500 trials next week and that was consistent. What would break? What would have to be done in order to maintain that level of exposure and growth? What kind of communication need to happen between marketing and sales and product? What kind of communication need to happen between the the prospect who is now in a trial and the sales rep? How would they prioritize their time? How are you measuring SQL and MQL? And if you're a company that runs a trial, you probably heard PQL, which we'll get into that in a different episode, which is product qualified lead, which is after SQL. But again, it comes back to the question is if your business was flooded with something positive, what's going to break? Are you preparing yourself for growth? And if not, it could easily be the reason why you're not growing. So think about that for a second. Stop doing the little day-to-day tasks that you think need to get done because there are fires that need to get put out. But in, in reality, you're not seeing the inferno that's happening around you, which is the growth of your business slowly dying out. So again, the questions are, I want to make sure we really hammer this home on this episode is what would happen if we added one more sales rep to your team tomorrow? How much time would it take you as a CEO and founder? How much time would it take from your sales process now? What would break? What wouldn't get done? How long would it take for that sales rep to find success, create success? And on the other side, what would happen? Let's just say we doubled your customer acquisition tomorrow, not 10 X it just then. How much time would it take from you as a CEO, from your CSM or your success and service process, what would break? The answers to those questions are the things you should be focusing on right now. Because in order to grow, you have to have a scalable process that has to be documented, it has to be proven out. Only until you have that done, will you understand where your priorities are. The simple as that. And if you wanna learn more about how to implement a SaaS sales process, what are some of the key indicators to move from one stage to the next, whether it be you know, getting leads into the sales funnel and how the sales funnel works or things that you need to be focused on as the founder in a founder-led sales organization or anything like that, I've got a free course. It's a video series that you'll get access to. It's free to you. All I ask is that your name and email go in there. Go to sellingsassplaybook.com. So that's S-E-L-L-I-N-G, SAS, S-A-A-S, Playbook, P-L-A-Y-B-O-O-K. So again, go to sellingsassplaybook.com to learn how to implement or create your own sales playbook 
or process to keep these things from happening and know where to measure in your business for what to work on, when to work on it, how much needs to be done. So again, I appreciate you for being here. And if you got value from today's episode, tell a friend, share it on social media. I'd really appreciate it and mean the world to me. And I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Selling SaaS Podcast. And if you got value from today, please leave a review on your favorite podcast platform. 